Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Anita, the week is here. Before we speak to you again, D-Day, C-Day, Christmas Day will be upon us. And a new year. We are taking a break until January 3rd. So we hope that you enjoy this episode. You will, we will have one week of no podcasts and then we'll be back. That doesn't mean we're not working. That just means we're catching up because we need a break for one week. It means I'm going to be laying face down on my bed trying to mm. avoid people. Okay, Anita's going to be taking a week off. <laughs> I will be working. Fine. On things. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I have a question for you, Mel. Does it have to do with last night? No, but we should talk about that at some point in time. What do you do to incorporate Scott into Christmas? Anything? No. Nothing. He's dead to you. Actually, he's dead? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's weird because we only had one Christmas together. Then he freaking died. And so I don't have traditions with him. So the way that I honor him in Christmas is this year, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but Scott is so proud of me. When I wrap presents, I think of Scott because he was the good Christmas wrapper person and I was terrible at it and he fired me from that, as well as firing me from making sugared fruit on our wedding cakes. He fired me from anything that looked nice because I couldn't do it. So I've honored him this 
I was going to say semester. This, this semester. season. <laughs> I love it. By trying to wrap gifts better. But we didn't have any traditions together because we had like one. Okay, but you've just illustrated a really cool thing, though, is that even without traditions, there's still ways that we incorporate them into the holidays. So I think thinking about him while you're wrapping presents, that sounds amazing. That sounds like the perfect way to honor him. And it's like there's no one way that works for everybody because everybody's so different. Everybody had different lives and everybody had different amounts of time with each other. So I think that's awesome. High five to you, Mel. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. I guess actually we had two Christmases together. Yeah, by the way, last week we said it was going to be your fifth anniversary (laughs) and then you texted me. You're like, oh, sixth. Oops. I only knew because Facebook was like six years ago today. It's like, oh my gosh, widow brain. You guys, math. I'm, I just, I can't. Math, sugaring fruit, and wrapping. You just can't any of those. You're fired from all of those. I know. Although my anniversary was great. I had a great day. Good. How are you incorporating Jason into your Christmas or holiday tradition? It's a really good question. I don't have actually I don't have as good of an answer as you do. Um, I know yours was like good. We still put his stocking out on Christmas Eve, but we don't put anything in it, or we haven't in the past. I know people do a lot of different things, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. We don't do anything that's really thought out. And I kind of feel like we need to do something that's thought out. So I'm kind of exploring my options. What are some things that people do? What have you heard? Yeah, I've heard of people buying an ornament for them every year still and putting it on the tree. Somebody just posted in the Widow Wives Club about, I think it was like everybody having a shot of whiskey. I think it was whiskey. It was some drink that their person really loved on Christmas Eve, things like that. And I think there's a million ways to do it. You just have to think about it and think some more i don't know well now that you mentioned certain things like that i am reminded of how scott's family has incorporated him into events because here's the thing scott was in charge of all of the things that were good like the food the cheese platter all of those things and so when he died it was like where are the cakes? Where's the cheese platter that cost $300 with all the fancy cheese? So they've actually continued to do that. And so they'll make those cakes in Scott's memory. So his brother, Brad, he makes this special cake that Scott was known for. And Scott would give it to people on Christmas. And so they've kept that up and they'll still bring it to my parents' house. And yeah, so it's funny because Scott lives on mm-hmm. in the baking. Yeah, The thing about Christmas, though, for me in particular, is it feels really, it's like you're holding your breath because you replay the days leading up to their death. I don't know if you do that, but I do that. And it's just like Christmas was one of the last things. I mean, he was dead, what, like nine, seven days, eight days after Christmas. So it's like, these were the last things that we did together as a family, and they just are a little bit crushing And I just want to yell at my past self, like, do you know what's going to happen? You know, take all the time, do all the things you need to, because, you know, you're just so naive. You don't know what's coming. At least I didn't. So question for you. Do you Mm -hmm. feel like because you keep reliving it and you're beating yourself up in those ways that you have guilt? Mm -mm. No, it's not really a guilt thing. It's just like, I just, I just want to tell, I just want to warn myself that it's, That it's coming, you know, because you just are living in this little life of bliss and then blammo. And what just happened? 
So there is one thing that I really wish we would have done, and that's we usually take a picture in front of the Christmas tree on Christmas. And they were always like after we opened presents, they weren't cute. They weren't professional or anything. And the the Christmas before he died, the kids had all run away. And I said to him, oh, shoot, we forgot to take a picture. And he said, do you want me to get the kids back here? And they were all getting dressed and doing their thing. I was like, nah, it's not that big of a deal. And I do kick myself about that because that would have been our last family photo together. But we don't have it. I'm not really angry. I mean, I am, but you know what I'm saying? But I'm not. Yeah. Also, don't you think it's so interesting to go back and look at pictures of yourself before the death and look in your eyes and you're just like, yeah, that's me, but it's also not me. The me that's now is wiser and has been through more. And it's so weird, right? It's like a different person. Yeah. And I just think that person is really naive, too. I just think she doesn't. And in a way, she doesn't even know what she's capable of. You know, like she thought she was strong. She thought she was pretty awesome. And guess what? She's even cooler than she thought. <laughs> and more of a disaster all at the same time. So Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Anita. <laughs> yes. Props to you for coming with me yesterday to our holiday outing Christmas concert that I didn't want to go to, but I went to. Yeah, so she made me come also. So that was fun. I got to see... Mel's family in their natural habitat at the Olive Garden and that was really fun. We had a server who was barking orders at us and I was scared of her, Amber. Uh Uh-huh. So that was fun. And I broke the rules because I didn't order the soup and salad, which I didn't know I was supposed to. Well, it worked out. My mom was stressed that we wouldn't get there in time, but we got there in time and they started late. I know how this game goes. (laughs) You think you're going to get there 30 minutes early and they're going to start on time, but really they start 10 minutes late. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to say once the server left and all the stress left, my stomach was able to digest the food that I ate, but that was very stressful. But after we went to the concert and I would like to talk about it because we have been putting up widow sods and things like that of attending events in the holidays. And I did not want to go to this, but I thought that it would be a nice gesture for me to go. Mm -hmm. So I went for not myself. And it was hard. I had anxiety the whole time. I kept thinking during the concert, I was like, nobody here is doing anything wrong. I know that it's me. Mm -hmm. But the things that were coming up for me, it's it's my... How do I explain this? It's a choir and an orchestra, and I write for them, and it's my cousin's. And so I know more the ins and outs of the things and I know that what goes into it and it's not just like I go in and go out. Then I see people that I know or I see family or I see people I haven't seen in a couple of years and they're like, oh, what are you doing? And I hate talking about what I'm doing and how I'm doing. I just don't want to. And that's a big reason why I haven't really gone out very much and I've been selective. And also because I'm a musician I have a, a a complicated relationship with music in general, and it's not always fun for me. It's like really just kind of not. So I have a hard time with live music especially. So we're sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I see some people that I know, and it went okay. But then, of course, the questions come, well, what are you doing? Like, oh, are you just back visiting? And I'm like, oh, yeah, they don't know my life exploded. And then it's like, well, how much am I supposed to explain? How much do I vomit on them? If I don't say enough, then they don't understand what I'm saying to them and why I made the choices that I made. And then they don't get it. And if I say too much, then I've just like 
made a spectacle of myself. So there was that. And then before the concert started, I... (laughs) My gosh, here's the other thing that like drives me crazy. I changed my number when I moved because I needed a reset and I needed everything to go through my email unless it was my important people in my small circle. Some people in the musician community passed out my number and I'm super mad about it because people aren't supposed to have it and my brain doesn't work very well. And so the more texts I get from people that are not like my people people, the more fragmented my brain is. And then I get stressed out because they really all they want to know is if where I am. And I don't want to talk about where I am. And I don't want to talk about where I'm doing. And it's funny because I'm like, I have a podcast. You could actually listen to my podcast. (laughs) And every single week you would know what was going on. But of course they don't. Anyway, I was stressed out about seeing people and stressed out about having to explain my life. And then I had gotten asked to do another arrangement. And I, I just am... I'm still in this revamping situation of my job that I've been doing for 20 years and like deciding what I want to do and what I don't. So I'm sitting there with some stress. The concert hasn't started. And then right before it starts, I get a text. So when are you going back to New York City? And that's like my trigger, I guess, where I'm just like, you don't need to know. Why are you asking me? And why out of the blue did you just come up and say that. And I don't feel like getting into the conversation and engaging. And so I just don't reply. So that's what the concert was like for me. Plus then... They can text you at your house though too, Mel. No, but I mean, I'm saying I was at the concert with the stress and then the stress that I've been upset about for like a year and a half happened at the beginning of a concert. So I just was like trying management techniques for myself to get through the concert and be done and be like, I came. I hope you see that I came. It was hard for me and... Now I need a break for maybe a year or two. What about you, Anita? Oh, I didn't want to go to the concert either. I just came because you wanted me to. I was like, oh, I have to go places. <laughs> but I didn't have the additional stress of knowing people there. I didn't know a soul there. Actually, I did end up knowing somebody, but it was not a stressful situation that way for me. Um, the only thing was is that the like person sitting next to you kind of cared about the concert. So I couldn't say funny things about what was happening. So that was a bummer. I know. We couldn't even text each other because we had to be on good behavior. Yes. I told Mel, I'm like, I am not accustomed to sitting for that long and not doing anything else. <laughs> you know, checking my email, playing Candy Crush, all that kind of stuff. So, well, good job, Mel. I'm proud of you. I sensed some of your, uh, a little bit of the awkwardness when people were asking you like, oh, are you just in town visiting? And you're like, no, I'm back here because I moved to New York and then I came back because Broadway closed. You know, and you're just like, hello. Yeah. I Before I came out to you, there was a guy who showed up to do some work in my house. And he was just bent on getting me to say that things were going well. He was like, so how's it going? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's 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 complicated. And he's like, what does that mean? You know, and he knows my situation. And he's like, so things are going well then? Things with the kids? Everything's going well? And I'm like, you know, Christmas is, is kind of is a little bit tricky. And he's like, oh, come on. You know? Was, oh, my gosh. I'm oh, like, my gosh. I want to punch him. Yeah. I'm like, I know that you are trying to be friendly and you're trying me to make yourself feel better, that everything's okay with me. And, you know, on, on whole, things are okay. But I'm not just going to be like, well, I could just be like, yeah, it's great. It's fine. Everything's fine. I know. That's what you say just because you want him to go away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's like, don't ask a widow if you don't want to hear the answer. Yeah. Or if if they say everything's fine, then don't probe them. Yeah. So Yesterday, when somebody asked both you and I, Anita, how we were doing, we said the same thing at the same time. She's like, how are you guys doing? We go, 
We hate everyone. (laughs) Yeah, I had a really terrible day this week. It was the last day of school. And the last day of school used to be something that I looked forward to really a lot because it meant Jason would be home for the holidays. We'd get to spend a ton of time together. It took the burden off of me being the mom because there was another parent in the household and it was just fun. So it's gone from being this thing that was really exciting and really fun to something that I dread because it means my kids are going to be home for two weeks all by myself. So it's like a complete 180. And that's always a hard day because also Jason would like dress up and be really silly at school. He'd dress up in this elf costume. And so I'm just mad because his students are all getting, I mean, there's the students there don't even remember him anymore. You know, he's been gone long enough that he's gone to them and that hurts. And also that all of the students that have come after are missing out on the Jason show. So And then my kids just don't get it and they don't understand. So. Yeah. And you guys had a baptism this week. Yes. We had another thing where my son, who didn't realize it at the time, really, he didn't show a lot of sadness at the time, watched his friend get baptized and his dad did it. And all of a sudden he was like, mom, can you come out into the hall with me? And then he's like, I need to cry, but I don't want anybody to see me, which is like stab right in the heart. And he said, everybody else has a dad mom and I'm just like I and you can't fix that there's nothing you can do except for give him a hug and I kept saying like it's okay to cry like and he's like people are gonna see me and I'm like it's okay you can cry and then later on I start crying and what was I doing I was like hiding in the hall uh, opening my <laughs> eyes real big trying to like suck the tears back into my face you know I'm like oh, I'm doing the same thing he is <laughs> well to everybody listening however your holiday ends up we understand if it's good we are so stoked for you and if it's bad we understand also and if it's both totally there with you it probably is always both i feel like never can be so simple yeah i'm not worried about the actual christmas day there the first few years it was hard because i had to make decisions on what i was going to attend and mm-hmm. i've just since been like i got to just take care of myself and like wake up and see how i'm doing i'm like at peace with that now are you guys what do you guys do normally on we christmas we just do the same thing that we always have done because it's always been kind of a small you know, our, our both of our parents live nearby, and so it's pretty easy to spend time with everybody, and it's not too high pressure. So, and you know, COVID is evil, but it has given some cover as far as social situations. You know, it stopped a lot of those, and you can just be like, no, nah, you know, no. Well, thanks for listening to us just jibber-jabber for a little while. It's kind of a big week, so we just need to sometimes talk about it. But if you want to keep listening to us talk about nonsense... Come check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash WWDN. It's a way for you to help keep the podcast going. If you join our Patreon and you are at the Widow Bestie level and up, you get a shout out in episode. So we are going to do that right now. Five, six, seven, eight. Deck the halls with boughs of widows. Fa la 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 la. Very nice, Mel. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we have Constance Dahlbeck. David Kelly. Don Satterwhite. Gail Paxton. Ivan, the Arctic Meisner. Cat. No, the Antarctic. Oops. Oh, yeah. Krista Waite. Sam Finlayson. Amy Hart... uh, Amy Martell. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Amy Sapp. Ashley Hahn. Chris Steffen. Christina Shiflett. Danielle Ketterberg. Not a Debbie Downer. Today is your episode. Dennis Brazo. Jenny Taylor. 
Jennifer Brown, Jennifer E. Hassel, Jenny Wang, Kathy Marie, Kelly Ford. Thanks, Kelly, for facilitating the hangout on Wednesday. Spooky, scary Kirsten. Laura Bradbury. Lauren Old. Leslie Webb. Marie Hoffman. Missy Schubert. Rachel Barbosa. Are you laughing because Missy's our child, or are you laughing at Rachel? None of the above. What was so funny? I hope you can't hear it. I want to keep that in. Sarah Morris. Don't. (laughs) Sylvia, the Olive Garden Shore. Sylvia, Soup and Salad Shore. (laughs) Taylor Snyder. The Winehouse Karen Cornejo. Vicky Smith. Anna Tracy. Christina Scambato. Christine Anderson. Cindy Raynon. Mindy Holmgren. No! What? Tell you about it later. Oh, gosh. Dawn Barber. Debbie Fells. Diana Becker. Emily Thornton. Emily Toledo. Aaron Posick. Gabe Lozano. Gina Haas. Ian Zini. Ileana Bell. Deck the halls with bows of Jackie. la 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 Jane. <laughs> That's my mom. I like that we can finish each other's sentences, Anita. And one time somebody accused me of being romantically involved with a friend that I could... Finish each other's sandwiches. And I just want to say, what? Does that have to do with anything? Jenny Barrow. Jocelyn Milo. Jocelyn. Joy D. Kirsch. CFP. CEFT. Julie Stevenson. Karina Jacobo. Katie Radcliffe. Kara Scara. Lindsay Konopka. Lori Farrington. Marjorie Lewis. Mary McGowan. Megan Montague. Peter Rukavina. Becky Zyba. Sarah Kennedy. Oh, Christmas Eve hang in the Facebook group with Sarah. Shannon Helm. Stacey Saywert. Sunshine Haven. Tammy Schwartz. Tara Wallace. Valerie Paca. And Sean. <laughs> and last but not least, Tinsel Wendy. Sorry about your cardinals yesterday, Wendy. Go Lions. Thank you to everybody who supports us on the Patreon. We can't thank you enough for helping this to keep going and finding all the people who need to be found. If you would like to buy us a taco, please check out buymeacoffee.com slash what do we do now. If you need extra support during the holiday season, make sure you come join us in the Widow Wives Club. FYI, we were having some issues. So if you applied and it got declined, try again because Facebook was being weird. So we had a big, big, bad, stupid thing for a minute there. Yeah, sorry, everybody who tried to apply last week. It was Facebook. Yeah, so try again. It's a wonderful place to be able to talk and be open about some of the things that are really difficult about being a widow. Again, private group, Widow Wives Club, Facebook. And remember that since our next episode is January 3rd, we are going to be off as far as a new podcast until then, but we will be active in the Widow Wives Club, so please consider that if you're not already in there and everybody remember christmas eve if you need extra support and you would like to laugh and talk to sarah kennedy she is going to be heading up a christmas eve facebook group meet it's in the events tab in facebook let's get to our episode i'm anita i'm mel we're two young widows we're trying to help you get through this holiday season christmas to all of you see you next year yes also we're trying to help you figure out Widow, we do now. This is.
This episode is sponsored by the Meisner Family Foundation in memory of Elizabeth Meisner. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Anita, I think our guest is terrified of us already. We've, like, ruined her life. She ran away already once, and we had to bribe her with a bag of M&Ms to come back. I know, and she's used to dealing with hordes of children on the daily and so, so it's bad the fact that we've scared her means we're yeah we're really working her over i don't think she's actually scared do you want to do you want to are you scared do you want us to tell everybody who you are i'm sure okay <laughs> this is who we lovingly refer to in our patron shout out as not a debbie downer and this is deborah nilek did i say that right yes what do you really actually go by normally at some point in my life, I've gone by like every version of Deb or Debbie or Deborah or something. So at this point, I usually just tell people if it's nice, I'll probably answer. Well, Deb, where are you? I am in Frederick, Maryland, um, just outside, actually. But Frederick, Maryland is the town that people might have heard of. So <laughs> is that coastal or more not as close to the coast? No, we're about an hour just north of DC and then an hour northeast of Baltimore and an hour north of Annapolis. So um, no, definitely land. You're an hour away from everything. Not a Debbie Downer, aka Deb, is one of our in-person facilitators for the meetup. So we're excited to get to know her a little bit better today. And we know that she's so much fun because we've interacted with her a little bit in the group and you guys are all going to love her. So first of all, sorry, Deb, that you're a widow. That's why you're here. Boo. How long have you been a widow? Uh, Just over a year. I have a question about that. At the year mark, was everything better? Did you wake up in the morning and birds were singing and you were like, oh, everything's fine now. I hit my year mark. (laughs) No, quite the opposite. But I did have a good day as as usual. And as I've heard before, um, the anticipation of the days is often worse than the actual day. And I started my day right. I booked myself a massage and treated myself right all day long. So it didn't end up being that bad, despite all the emotions that are there. But again, the lead up was worse. And I, I, I had to smile when you said the year Mark, because my husband's name was Mark. And he... <laughs> He would always take his own name and fill it with the word me. So even in our house, we he would call a bookmark a book me. Oh, that's <laughs> cute. Yeah. So for Christmas last year, we gave out book me's to everybody since cards didn't. I just wasn't, you know, inspired to do cards. But I was like, oh, wait, I could do a book me. So <laughs> that's really cute. I'm having a moment oh, yeah. of like, oh, that's a sweet little detail that we got about Mark. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about him. 
He um, <laughs> he reminds me. Is it is it Liz down in Australia who had the hysterical husband? I was relating to her so much because my husband was there was just not a serious bone in his body. Um, everything was a joke. Everything was lighthearted. You know, even in horrible situations like deaths, he would immediately find the first little moment and spin it around to get people laughing again. Um, <clears throat> so. We met in high school. I was uh, 15 years old and he was 17 and we met through doing theater and um, he was backstage in the show that year. And so I spent a lot of time backstage flirting with him. And then our band ended up going down to Florida to perform down in, uh, I think it was uh, Daytona area. And um, while we were down there, he, he asked me to his prom and being two years older, he was a senior, I was a sophomore. And we were all lined up to do that. And at some point during this whole process, he also, I asked when my birthday was and I said, October 7th. And he said, well, that's my birthday. <laughs> but everybody knew not to believe this because you didn't believe anything Mark said, cause he always joked, but I ended up carding him and sure enough, we had the same birthday. <laughs> so did he propose right then? Cause you knew it was meant to be. <laughs> no, since we were 17 or 15, it was okay. Probably not. <laughs> okay. I see your point. <laughs> But we did his prom ended up being our first real date. Um, and my mother, bless her heart, only let me stay out till five in the morning. And I was kind of mad about it wrongfully, but <laughs> only. <laughs> yeah. And then we dated all through college. We actually broke up for a little tiny period. But when I was home from break, we would still see each other and, and, and date. And then we ended up back together and got married and had two amazing children. Um, my son is now 26. And my daughter is 24 and they have been an amazing support system and they have their father's humor, thankfully. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was a, a sickeningly sweet story to meet and, um, and then sadly and not the greatest ending. So what happened? We went to the beach with friends for the weekend and had a phenomenal time. And then on Sunday morning, we went out to breakfast and had a great breakfast. And it was funny, I mentioned it at Mark's service. During breakfast that morning, the friends that we were with, another couple, the wife said, hey, if you could change anything in your life, what would you change? And her husband said something and she said something. I said, well, I would have had more kids. And Mark was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> um, and then it came to him and he said nothing. And, and the other woman said, looked at him and said, you would change nothing. And he said, I don't live with regrets. And he always used a lot of hands. So there were hand movements and all of this. And about an hour later, we're walking on the beach and he was not feeling great. And he sat down on the beach and things went downhill. And I now know that it was the Widowmaker. And so I had to eventually end up at the hospital with him. We fought, I, They let me ride in the ambulance despite COVID. But at that point, he was already gone. And I kind of knew this somewhere in my head. And then I had to come home from the beach without him, which was rather devastating. <laughs> So tell us more about what the Widowmaker is for those who are not familiar. It's a big old heart attack. It was, and I don't know if it was you guys who I heard it through or not, but uh, from what I've learned, cardiac arrest is an electrical problem and a heart attack is a plumbing problem. And there was a plumbing problem. Very good. The, the Widowmaker is the left anterior descending artery of the heart, the LAD. And it's the biggest artery of the heart. And so when that gets blocked, it's bad news. That's why yes. they call it the Widowmaker. 
So, yes, I was also told that the that particular artery has two other arteries coming off of it, and like a pair of pants. And when the blockage is at the waistband, it's the widowmaker because it's now blocking two that were supposed to be working. So, yeah. And I think in hindsight, um, and I had some, I know I wrote a question once about premonitions and I did have some weird premonitions ahead of time, but in hindsight, I think he had had at least one prior heart attack because he did the same, he acted the same way, but seemed to recover from it. And he, we knew he had gallbladder disease, not gallbladder stones or anything like that, but we had just found out and the sim- symptoms for gallbladder disease mimic that of a heart attack. So every time he, I think the one time he had a heart attack and even on the beach that day, you know, I said, well, is this your gallbladder? And he's like, yeah, I guess so. But it wasn't. And I, and I knew there were, there were ways he reacted differently um, on the beach that day. And the previous time that I now think was a heart attack, he put his hands behind his back. And the first time was on a hike. And I'm thinking, you can't hike with your hands behind your back. You're going to fall on your face. This is stupid. <laughs> and he said, well, I just don't feel right. And so we blamed it on the gallbladder and then saw the doctor for the gallbladder. And she said, yep, your gallbladder's bad. It's got to come out. And so we had an appointment the Tuesday after he died to oh. meet the surgeon. Blame it on the gallbladder. That's what they say, you know? Question for you. Now, I believe that the post that you're referring to, I think it was in our Patreon, right? It might have been. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when you posted about that, because Anita and I were together at the same place and we talked about it. Anita doesn't remember. I don't remember. (laughs) I don't remember anything. It's okay. Were we eating tacos? Yes. Okay, I remember. My question to you is when you are asking about premonitions, are you talking about kind of spiritual premonitions or only just physical? Because you just mentioned the physical symptoms, but did you have any inkling beforehand that something might have happened? That's a very good question. And yes, I think I must have. And I think I think the physical and spiritual play together. The one that I referred to, we were on a walk probably two months prior because we walked the dogs all the time. And, um, and I'm a very fast walker and we were walking, but all of a sudden I, I remember my stomach kind of left, you know, how that sick feeling that you realize you have a test tomorrow <laughs> and your stomach drops that happened, but for no reason. And the only thought running through my head right then. And I looked up at him with this little <gasps> was he's not always going to be here. And, and I didn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. And so when we came home that week, I said, hey, you know what, with COVID, since you're working and I'm not, how about you teach me how to pay bills again? Never got around to that. I also said, it's time to redo the will. And we did get around to that and had started it. We had the first copy ready to sign when he died. So at least we were in touch with the lawyer, but, but it was enough of an impact both physically, but I do think there was something spiritual that that I think told me, and I talked to a a friend about this and she said, you know, she kind of said, if your head knew what your soul knew, you wouldn't have been living life the way you'd been living life. It wouldn't have been the everyday. It wouldn't have been your version of what was now, you know, my, my version of perfect, even though we all know it's not a hundred percent perfect all the time, but it was my perfect, you know? So Yeah. And so I think there is something both spiritual and physical to it. I know I had the physical symptoms, but I do think there's something in my soul. And if we want to call that spiritual, we can call that spiritual. But there was something that in me said something's not right, but I didn't have any other knowledge to do anything with it. I remember we talked about that Anita didn't have any. You were blindsided. Yeah. I've had quite a few of them, or I did have quite a few of them before Scott died. So I was 
I was wondering what some of those things were. Yeah. I feel like it's a catch 22 because if we did live knowing when the end would be, we would live in a different way, but it's like you said, it wouldn't be the everyday and it's not really practical. We would like it to be that way that we could live in a way that we could die at any moment and we could be happy, but then none of us would have jobs, you know, and none of us would, none of us would mow the lawn. None of us would do any of the things that we don't want to do. Cause we'd be like, well, I can't, you know, I want to spend all my time on vacation with my family. And, and I sometimes think that we start to regret the normal day-to-day life when actually that is beautiful. Even the fights, even the disagreements, the annoyances, because real practical life includes those things. Oh yeah. Yeah. I actually, cause you know, at first you're kind of numb after the death happens. So there, it took me a while to start getting memories back, but you mentioned fights. And I remember hearing something at one point saying, don't fall into that trap of, you know, you know, putting your husband on this pedestal, that he was perfect in every way, which oddly is what he always joked about that he was perfect in every way and on a pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and although I haven't um, done that and yes, he is on my pedestal, whatever it's, um, it's funny because I eventually you start remembering some of the bad times too. And we really truly did not have very many bad times at all. We didn't um, because again, everything was a joke, but we had this one argument and we had a rule, never go to bed mad. And we that night had had some big argument. And the next morning I woke up and I apparently went to bed mad because I was still stewing about it. And I, he woke up and I said, are you still mad? And he goes, about what? <laughs> and I was thinking, okay, wow, I guess I'm off the hook because apparently I'd done something wrong based on this memory. And I was like, oh, nothing. And he, and all of a sudden he remembered and he's like, well, yes, I am mad. And I'm like, well, hey, I've learned that lesson. Never ask again the next morning. <laughs> yeah, just like avoid. <laughs> yeah, avoid. Don't ask that question. If it's over, it's over. And it, that's how he lived. If everything was over when it's over and always no regrets. So you're saying Mark had amnesia. Um, yes, I would actually honestly say we were in the car once too. And he was a very smart man. I kid you not. And yet we were in the car one day and you know, on long car drives, you can have silences. And I said, what are you thinking about? And he said, nothing. I said, no, really, what are you thinking about? He said, nothing. I said, no, you have to be thinking something. My head is always going. You have to be thinking. He's like, nope, nothing. (laughs) And that's how he went to bed every night. Every problem was gone. Every, everything had been solved. Every day was just a new day. He just lived it and for fun and always trying to crack a joke, always having a good time in every day and no regrets at the end of it. So you're, you've just barely passed the year mark. What have some things that you've noticed in this new widow life? How have you gotten through to this point? Very good question. And I suppose it's a, um, a lot of different answers. The first thing I did was um, about 10 days after he died, I called my boss at the preschool and last year I only had one three day a week class, but I called her and I said, I'm coming back on Monday. So I went back to school two weeks after he died. And mind you, the, the week I met my staff. So right before you had the kids go back to school, I met the staff I was going to be working with all of twice. We went to the beach and he died. So I did not get to meet and greet with my students. And then the following week I left no lesson plans my aide was not a teacher and now she's in charge of these kids. So part of it was that I was standing in my kitchen one day and my friend said, I went to clean something. And she said, no, I'll do that. And I thought, well, if I can't even vacuum my own floor, why am I here? And I was kind of, I liked that everybody was helping me and I needed it, 
but I also needed a purpose and a reason. And right then it was just a vacuum and I was denied that. So that's when I called my boss and I said, I need to come back to work. And it was a reason to at least get out of bed three days a week. And it helped. And little kids have always been energizing for me just because they're funny and fun. And I, it was definitely a fog for a long time, even teaching, but they still learned a lot of things. And, you know, by the end of the year, we had our preschool rocks program and um, it was pretty great. So I'm curious if you told them about your husband or if it was just inside your own head. I did not tell my students about them. They never asked. However, <laughs> all during this process too, my next door neighbor who has um, three kids, four, three, and two at the time, um, and another friend of hers who had a four-year-old and two-year-old, they said, well, you teach preschool in your basement. So I took the two four-year-olds and I taught them twice a week in my basement. And because the one of them was my next door neighbor, she did know about Mark and she had met Mark. She actually came to my house two days after he died and she came running up the stair with a picture for me. And I was afraid of how I looked to her, no makeup. I'd been crying, face swollen, all the things. And she comes running up and I said, hi, how are you? And she said, hi, I'm good. You went to the beach and Mark died. <laughs> I said, well, yes. And she kind of looked at me and she said, okay, well, I'm going to go play with her brother now. And she went off <laughs> and I thought, Two days into it is a big fat lesson from a four-year-old of, yep, this happened. You are going to have to go on. <laughs> yeah. It, and yeah. Kids are so funny and that I way. Was, That's why I was asking the question because I was wondering what they had said because they are very blunt about it and they're very funny about it and they just think about it in ways that, you know, they don't put all of the baggage onto things like we do. You know, yeah, he died. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. And I so at Christmas time. She and the other little girl were in my basement and she was, I, I wore Mark's, the ring he was wearing um, on my neck and, or on a necklace. And she said, how did Mr. Mark die again? I said, well, he had a heart attack. And she said, well, what's a heart attack? And I said, well, his heart broke. She said, well, did he fall down? Oh. I said, well, no, he was sitting down first. So we just kind of laid him down. Like you lay down when you don't feel good. And she said, okay. And then what? And I said, well, then he died because she knew that part. And she said, well, did they cut his head off then? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, no, they didn't cut his head <laughs> And she said, well, how did they get him off the beach? Did they cut him apart? I said, no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so then my neighbor's going to kill me for sharing this story. So then I talked to the moms. I'm like, hey, this conversation took place just so you know. And the other little girl rescued it. She said, well, did an ambulance come? I said, yes. And she said, oh, and that was the end of the story. So I told the moms and I said, all right, so where is this coming from? Apparently her family had been watching Rudolph's shiny new year where the Herbie, Hermie, the dentist cuts out the tooth from the abominable snowman. And even though he pulls it and she kept trying to use the word pull with the kids, the kids were just fascinated with the word cut. So it was all about cutting and <laughs> That is so funny. It went from like Rudolph to like true crime. <laughs> In a second. I love how that went through her brain and came out. And your that way. your <laughs> eyes are probably like saucers, but you're trying to just, you know, be calm. No, that's not what happened at all. And no. are your parents murderers? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's part of the reason I teach and I tell people when they say, Hey, why do you teach preschool? I'm like, because they're fun and they're energetic and everything is new and great. And they have no filter. They say exactly what's on their mind. And I stopped one day and I said, I just described my husband. He also had no filter. There were not many lines he did. There were no lines he didn't cross at some point. And 
<laughs> so yeah, I think there's a reason that I, I think marrying him worked well with my teaching preschool. And there there's some very similar aspects to human personalities that I apparently like. You've touched on something that I think is really interesting. And that is how people grieve differently for you going back to school and being with the kids gave you purpose and it was helpful for you. For a lot of people, it's exactly the opposite. They can't, they can't do that at first or it's, or if they do, it's not helpful for them. It's, it's hard and maybe delays how they're, how they're healing. And I think that's just really fascinating how you never know what the correct prescription for grief is going to be, whether it's going to be getting right back to it, or if it's going to be taking your time and figuring out what the new you does and how. And it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that too, because I think, um, I know that my head is again, always thinking of something. And there were times all during my life where I'd sit and think, what if something happened to Mark, you know, or in the middle of the night when you wake up and you can't sleep and those horrible thoughts come, I'm like, what, what if something happened? Who's going to be there? Who's going to be supporting me? How will I act? How will I react? I've always imagined that. And yet I wouldn't say that. However, I imagined it really came true. I mean, it did. I was, um, but not a Debbie Downer side. I have amazing friends and amazing family and they all were there for me and, and have held me up and still hold me up on those days um, and those moments. And, but I did think about it and Mark and I had, had once or twice, again, in a very joking manner, talked about death too. And what happens afterward in the immediacy. And he was again, all fun and laughter. He said, I don't want a funeral. I would like a pig roast. And so I was very disappointed when it was a little bit short, you know, four days time is really hard to throw a pig roast. And my sister was right. She said, there's a time for a pig roast right now. There's too much sadness. It's a little too fresh. We can't do the pig roast right now. However, I did get to go see my widow wife. She lives out in Colorado. And when she had, she did not do any service for her husband. And so a year later she had a pig roast. So I asked her if I could go out for it (laughs) and I got to meet her in person for the first time since high school. We knew of each other in high school, but we weren't friends. So I did get to go to a pig roast. Do you think you'll have your own pig roast for Mark? Perhaps what did happen is he played on a local volleyball league. And so they dedicated this, this last season. It's during the summers only. It's just outdoors parents wanting to do something fun and not involving kids activity. And so we have uh, just under two acres. So we have two home courts in our yard. And so the whole season was dedicated to Mark. And this year, they the commissioner guy came and he said, is there any way we could do the whole tournament in your backyard? I said, sure. So we had, I think it was 12 teams, um, hundred and. 40 some people, my next door neighbor's yard, we used his yard for three courts as well, but it ended up feeling like, like almost another service for him because everybody was just so kind and so sweet and had a great time playing volleyball, which Mark loved to do. Um, it, and everybody was there just kind of loving and supporting on me and my family. It was just, it was fantastic. And I, I wouldn't have traded that day for, for even the pig roast. So we need to have a widow wives hang in your yard to play volleyball. Yes. My dad really wants to be a setter for some team. He's 74. So we'll bring him with us if that's okay. Yes, that would be great. And yes, our team was the non-competitive fun one. As a matter of fact, the, the Mark's nickname was one hit wonder, <laughs> which in volleyball apparently isn't the greatest nickname to have. 
And um, so they renamed the whole team One Hit Wonder. Mark sounds like he was so much fun, and I'm so sorry that he is not here. Yeah, me too. So what other things have you participated in or discovered that have helped you maybe keep some humor around you? Humor has been um, key, and discovering you two was key because... Again, living with Mark, there was never a serious moment around here. And so with him being gone, it was just talk about the laughter leaving the house, let alone the actual death. It was just all that you, I realized all our private jokes are gone. All the, the little sayings, the little things that have a fun memory, all of it's gone. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's gone forever. And that was another loss. And it was just horrid. And yet you guys too came along and with your shirts and I'm like, and I was just, it got me laughing again and laughing about death with, which again, most people don't do. And yet I have friends who are widows and friends who are dealing with all kinds of current situations who still are finding the humor in it too. And it's not humor per se. It's not funny per se, but it's a, it's that silver lining of you've got to flip it around at some point just to keep functioning gallows humor yeah kind (laughs) of we are so glad that something that we're doing has helped somebody so thank you sometimes we question our sanity yes and and that's where my name the not a debbie downer came in because i even when it first happened before i found you guys the the one phrase i have hated all my life is debbie downer and i am not a debbie downer i am almost all smiles and people worry if i'm not smiling and i thought great how am i supposed to not be sad all the time. This is not me to be sad all the time. And it turns out that yes, I am sad all the time, but I have found the humor in it again also. And I have learned how to still laugh, even though I am sad all the time. I tell people all the time that a smile and a grimace look surprisingly similar because people always tell me that I look like I'm smiling when I'm running and I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm not. So you have a widow wife in Colorado and you went to high school together. What did you become widows around the same time? Tell us all about y'all's widow wife relationship. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I, a friend of mine, two months before Mark died, or I guess a month before Mark died, uh, another friend on Facebook said, Hey, did you hear about, you know, Amy? And I said, no. And she's, I saw the page and Amy's husband had died as it turns out two months to the day before my husband did. I think it's, I think she was the first one to reach out to me. She said, oh my gosh, hey, do you want to chat sometime? So we started texting and then we phone called and and she, you know, as you said, Anita, everybody grieves differently. She called and she said, you know, you're, you're the first widow I've even talked to. As a matter of fact, you're the first person who didn't know her husband that I've talked to. She went through a phase where she would only talk to people who knew her husband. And so we just started chatting and Yes. At some point I had told her about you guys. And I finally said, will you be my widow wife? And she said, I will. Did you give her a ring? (laughs) I did not. And I should have, because, um, funny story again, after Mark died on day two, I went upstairs and I'm like, I should be wearing his wedding ring. Well, I say this knowing I was going to go upstairs and find way more than one. So I ended up coming down with seven weddings. Because the wedding ring that he wore when we got married, it was one of those that's three rings together that kind of rolls on. And it just got to be cumbersome once after a while. So he decided to stop wearing it. And I kind of bugged him. So he bought himself a fairly cheap titanium ring off of Amazon. And because everything's a toy to him, which is why he had the three rings, it was a toy. (laughs) That one ended up in the front bushes. So he bought himself another one. (laughs) And that one ended up at the front of a movie theater. And it was great (laughs) because we heard it go down the hallway. Ching, 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 ching. (laughs) 
he started buying them in three packs. <laughs> and then he discovered that there were a lot of people on Amazon or Etsy who are making titanium ones for a super cheap price with fun designs on them. So then I got him one, he was Norwegian. So I got him one that had the Norwegian um, alphabet on it. And he had a, so I ended up coming down with seven rings that morning. So the only two I gave away or kept were the one that he wore when we got married and the one that he was wearing when he died. And I gave a Norwegian one to our son and another one to his mother and one to his brother and one to his did, did you tell them that he had so many? Because it would have been so smart if you would have been like, he loved you so much. He wanted you to have his wedding ring, not Z ring. And then they would have been like, oh, I'm so important. And then you could go to the next person and do the same thing. You could get so many bonus points with people. Yeah, till they all get together and they're like, wait a minute, I thought I was the special one. <laughs> then she can just... Pull the widow card. Right. No, I ended up coming down that afternoon looking like Mr. T because I had this necklace with all these wedding rings. All the <laughs> so they did all know about it. Something that you said is so interesting about your widow wife, Amy, and, and you said she went through a phase where she was only talking to people that knew her husband. That is something that is so common with people that have gone through trauma is they go in. We all do this. And it's like you find your kind. And and I think when we do that, we think we're going to live there forever. And our circles gradually expand. You know, I know a lot of us, we only talk to widows a lot because we're like, well, nobody understands me. So that's just fascinating that you say that because she went really, really far in. So for her to talk to you, that was a little little bitty step out of that. It was. And quite honestly, it made me feel very honored to be honest. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause I had not, I mean, I, I obviously the first two weeks, you're only speaking to people, you know, anyway, because you're arranging services and everybody's there to help you. And I wasn't back to work yet. And so it was new, but, but I do, I did understand, especially when I went back teaching and I'm meeting these parents, although it was COVID, I was seeing these parents through a door where I excused their children because they weren't even allowed in the building that year. You know, I, I did understand all of a sudden why she did that. Yeah. But I'm definitely an extrovert also. So immediately I'm like, as whoever knew Mark, I'm like, yes, talk to me. I want more Mark stories because I felt like I'd lost all my Mark stories. So the more people I talked to, it was just more stories for me. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, I still have that problem when new people come into my life. I'm like, I don't really care to know you because you don't know the real me. You don't know what I lost and you never will know that. I have a new next door neighbor and I avoid him because I'm like, I don't know. You'll never know. Do you also feel like you're you're going to have to tell the whole story again and then it's going to be somebody saying, oh, well, you'll find someone else. It's going to be fine. Well, he's actually single, too. And so I'm like, stay away from me because I don't. Oh, oh, wait, no, wait, wait. He's plot he's, twist. He's, he's old. I, he's so actually my same age, matter. but I think he's old. Yeah, there is some of that, too. But yeah, the age thing has been funny, too, because, yes, people did say, you know, because at first I'm like, I can't be alone. And everybody, you know, friends would say, well, you're still young. You have time. And I kind of asked for that. I've never been angry at anything anybody said in that realm because I know where it's coming from. And again, I kind of asked for it when I'm like, I don't want to be alone. So the, the response was there. Yeah, because I asked for it. But other times I feel ancient because even listening to you guys, because, you know, you're both younger than me. And so therefore I feel older. <laughs> 
And I keep thinking, oh, how am I going to date? Look at how old I am now. And then I'll tell somebody new I'm a widow. And they're like, oh, you're so young. And now I'm feeling young again. So I have this like bipolar age thing going on right now. I know it's so weird. Remember when we first started? I know that you've listened to the episodes and um, and we met uh, another of our widow friends recently and she's older than us but we were talking about how it's hard to define what young widow is and old widow because really we're a lot of us are so young I mean 90 would be old I doubt 90 year olds would be listening to a podcast right you know so it's so hard and what I think the national or is it the national Anita or the international median age for the widowed is 58 or 59 it's national but I'm not sure yeah it is not high at all like that's before retirement yeah. age and in your 50s my gosh so we know that sometimes what we say we we show our age and you know people can think that they're old so we hope that we're not coming across as like age discriminatory no because young kind of is like everybody that can work a phone and find right. the podcast. I right. Think. <laughs> That's how I feel. And it's been hard. Um, another aspect that I found hard that I have heard from, I think some of your listeners and at least some of the people on your, on the Facebook page and everything is um, being this particular age, which doesn't have a number, but this age where your kids have, you started to empty nest. I've always said, you know, that every new phase in life is redefining yourself. You have to redefine yourself when you get married. You redefine yourself when you have your first kid. Now your parents. Now you have to redefine yourself as a family of four. You have to. And so Mark and I had just figured out investing. And then COVID, my daughter lost her job. We ended up moving her home and we figured out life with her here again. And then he died. And I'm like, oh, this is this is too much of a redefinition. I don't. And now my daughter's going to end up moving again. So it's also going through empty nesting again and empty nesting. I had a hard time with because I questioned what am I, if I'm not a mom anymore, <laughs> turns out you are still a mom when your kids leave, but it's that they don't need you as much that I was feeling the loss of. And so when they leave again, it's almost a revisiting all that empty nesting and revisiting all the grief again. Deb, I have a proposal. Hear me out just move to Utah and live in my basement and then you can help me and you will feel purpose again. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bell, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I feel like she could do it because she deals with all of the crazy kids already. So she knows. Okay. She and Karen Cornejo could tag team your youngest. Mm -hmm. He's preschool age. I think that would be yeah. good. Now you got the others mm -hmm. that are not preschool age. Yeah, but they're all you funny. Might. We need backup, okay. more backup. Well, maybe she could deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, They could have a lot of fun. I should apologize to Anita because Anita's posting and like, oh, my kids are driving me crazy. And I'm giggling going, oh, that's so cute. That's just no, adorable. No, you don't have to apologize. <laughs> when, when you're talking about empty nest syndrome, it's not a syndrome, <laughs> being an empty nester or, or the anticipation of that. And it's true. A lot of the people in our widowed category are, are dealing with that or have dealt with it or are coming up on it. What are some other things that it's brought up for you? Again, it's a, it's the whole redefinition of, of who you are, you know, losing your husband is one, one thing and talk about you're losing yourself. But then you think, oh, you know, I've got the kids. I'm still a mom. They need me. And mine don't need that either. And, and there was even some guilt on their part, on my part, sorry, because they were doing so much to hold me up. And I kept thinking, I'm the mom. I'm supposed to be supporting my children, even though they're just grown. Um, no way. Yeah. So it, it made for 
it made for a lot of confusing feelings um, is what it did. And yeah, the, once they leave, there's, there's not even just the mental aspect. There's a physical aspect of their stuff is still here. <laughs> and some days I love the fact that their stuff is still here and I can look at it and be like, Oh my gosh, that was great. And I love that. And other days I'm like, get it out. I want my space. I want my space. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I have a question. Um, now we weren't close to retirement and we weren't close to being empty nesters, but I did look forward to those days and think about how awesome it was going to be to be able to travel and to be able to do all of these things together, just as a couple, not have to worry about the kids. They would be on their own, you know, all the exciting things that you planned. We were going to be the rad couple that like took our bikes places and went biking together. And then that's all ripped out from under you. And I feel like it was ripped out from under you right when it was within grasp. Do you feel like that adds to the heartbreak of it all? hundred percent, hundred percent. Cause li- yeah, literally. And Becca was at the time, my daughter was looking for her new job. She had just accepted it was, I think it was offered right before he, the week before he died. Um, so we knew she'd be eventually moving on again anyway. And yes, totally ripped from us. And Mark was already talking about how soon it was that he was going to retire and we could just travel and we were going to wait and see where the kids ended up to decide where we were going to spend the next phase of our life. And yes, planning big trips and all of that. And it's, you know, even I, of course, was looking forward to grandchildren one day and he's going to be the best grandfather because he was just funny and crazy and all these things. And all of it was just yeah, literally ripped. And it was devastating in, in addition to all the, all the, all the other devastating thoughts. So have you come up with a plan B for all of that? Are you still not there yet? I don't think I'm there yet. I mean, I have days where my plan B is sell the house, buy an RV and travel the country. Cause why not? Yes. yes. Woo. But then my other side comes in and I've never been a great decision maker and says, um, that's crazy. You have a daughter still living with you. You have two dogs. So how are you going to even handle your two dogs in an RV, let alone places that may or may not accept dogs? And how do you even, you know, use the restroom at a um, road stop with two dogs in a car in July? You can't leave them in the car. You can't take them all. Listen, listen, listen. All of these things you're saying, I know how to deal with them. Okay. I'll help you. (laughs) All of them are yes. possible because I've been doing it and I have three yes. dogs. Yes, more than yes, exactly. And one cat now we have, we ended up getting a cat. My son's cat is now ours. But it does, it does highlight how everything that you could have done before, it's like, it's more complicated now. And even the tiniest thing, you have to rethink it and be like, oh, wait, how do I go to the bathroom with my dogs? Right. You would never have thought of that before you were a widow, right? Because, oh, just leave him with him and it will be fine. But there's so many things like that. And maybe it's not an RV. Maybe it's, it probably is very different from what you and um, Mark planned for your, this point in time in your life. But I have a feeling that whatever you figure out will be very fulfilling for you and you will enjoy it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We, we know we didn't want to head to a beach and it's odd that he died on a beach because he hated beaches with a passion. (laughs) That's so funny. It kind of is another funny joke, like a dark yes, joke. a dark joke. And maybe his little soul's premonition of saying, I hate beaches, because maybe something in him knew <laughs> that he might die on one. Um, or so maybe the beach was getting him back. That could very well be, yes. But with his fair hair and fair skin, and, and, but, and yet the day before he died, 
uh, we were sitting on the beach and it was a gorgeous 70 degree day and we're just sitting there laughing and chatting and he finally said well the beach isn't so bad like this and then of course the next day he dies on that same beach like what is happening um deb we need to know about your two fur babies not the cats because you just told us about the cat but the girls are beautiful yes my scarlet and my willow yes tell us about them they are two golden retrievers they're english creams so they're um white in color um, they're beautiful. They're three years old. They they listen about as well as I hear Anita's kids do, which means not very much. <laughs> but they're love bugs and they're very chill. We only went to get one dog, but we found out that Scarlett's mom had rejected Scarlett and bit her on the head. My husband wanted to name her Scarface and I said no. So her name is Scarlett. <laughs> Um, but I couldn't handle it when her mom rejected her. So we ended up coming home with two dogs. Now I'm thinking of biting one of my kids on the head. (laughs) I don't recommend it. Okay. So that Deb and Karen can have one kid each. They'll be like, this child was rejected by his mother. (laughs) I'll let you know how it goes. They'll probably be like, mom, what are you doing? Like, get away, get away from me. I'll be like, no, hold still. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Deb, it has been so fun to talk to you today and to get to know you a little bit better. And we have one more question for you. The important question. Anita's going to ask it. Deborah, what is your favorite cheese? I have been mulling this over since I first started listening to your podcast. And I really honestly have had a very hard time with it. So my daughter clarified it one day. She said, which cheese would you go to if you if I were going to give you an entire hunk of cheese and that's all you had to eat, which one would you take? And on that note, I would probably take pepper jack or manchego, kind of a tie. I love that this is a discussion, a family discussion. Well, my, my other my other answer to it is that there's a cheese out there that nobody has mentioned that I think is completely unappreciated, but you may or may not qualify it as a cheese. And I think cream cheese is not getting its fair due. Oh my gosh, I love cream cheese. I'll claim it. Because cream cheese can go savory. You can serve it with spicy. You can serve it with all kinds of things, but you can also go sweet and do cheesecake. And I think it's very underappreciated and undermentioned. You are right. Thank you. We hereby declare cream cheese to be a delectable and important cheese in the cheese universe. And we hope that more people include (laughs) it in their life. I wish we were getting paid by like the dairy council or something. <laughs> Come on. But we're not. Deb, you are truly not a Deborah Debbie Deb. How does that go? Debbie Downer? Mm-hmm. I think we should be you're not a Deborah Downer because that sounds more <laughs> official. Even even if you're sad, it's all about the end. You cannot you can be a not a Debbie Downer and be sad at the same time. And you're showing us that. So thank you so much for joining us. We hope everybody has found Deb to be an inspiration and love to hear her story. Please remember to check out the Widow Wives Club if you want to see more of Deb. And if you happen to live in her area, if you go to our website, widowwedonow.com, in the regional meetups, you can find a facilitator for your area. And Deb, will you tell us which areas you are over? Because since you are close to certain areas, there are more than one. Yes. So Frederick, Maryland also happens to be very close to Northern Virginia. I'm only three miles to Northern Virginia over a bridge. So 
Um, Northern Virginia, just north of DC, even DC area we can include. I mean, it's an hour away, so it depends on how big an area, but if we're in the DC, Northern Virginia, Frederick, Maryland area, um, it, it, I'm sure we'll get a decent following in group. I've got a couple people who have already emailed, so it's, it's starting. Yay, good. Yeah, on the tabs on the site, it's the DC area, Maryland, and Virginia. And when you click on those, it'll take you to the section and then it will email Deb. So we're stoked to see what happens. Maybe you guys could have a cream cheese party. Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> if you guys want to keep the podcast going, come and check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WWDN. If you'd like to buy us tacos, go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. Until we talk to you again, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. And I'm Deb. Not a Debbie Downer. And we're just two young widows and one widow who gets too much energy from small children. And I'm trying to steal some of her energy, but I haven't figured it out yet. And we're just trying to figure out. Widow. Widow. We we do do now. Now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.